Anyone know of Sir William Wallace? 25 years ago, I watched this movie called Braveheart. Can you believe it's like 25 years ago? But this is a story of a Scottish knight, a national hero who fought for his country's independence against England. And Wallace famously led the Scots to victory against a large English army at the Battle of Stirling Bridge in September 1297. Okay? Now, if I had a good Scottish accent, I'll try to read this part of the movie, but I'm not going to do that, so let's just listen to Bruce Willis say it. Is it Bruce Willis? What's his name? Mel Gibson. Hello? These things work in the morning when we test them. Do we have any Scots with us that want to come and stand up here and give it a good go? We're going to try it again. If not, I'm going to call someone from the crowd to come and read it for me. There we go. do that well <laughs> but I love that moment and they'll never take our freedom and all the goosebumps and all the hairs on the back of my neck stand up I love that moment this morning I want to speak freedom over you I want to speak that word freedom over his body Jesus died and he rose again and I want to experience everything that he won for me See, many years ago, the Jews were believing that Jesus was going to come and set them free from the Roman oppression and once again um, reinstate an independent Jewish kingdom. But what did Jesus mean when he said, it is finished on the cross? He didn't say freedom, but he said, it is finished. Now, what is finished? What is it that we celebrate today? What freedom can we experience? And we've been doing a series in, Galatian called, in Galatians called Freedom in Christ. And I don't want to go back and recap what we've done so far, but today I want to jump right to the end of the book, of the letter, in Galatians 6. And next week, Anne will then go back to the beginning of chapter 6. But I want to look at something that Paul said. So if you have your Bibles with us, you can either follow on the screen with me, or you can follow in your translations. But Galatians 6, verse 11 says this. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Now, it's believed that Paul had an eye problem. That potentially was his thorn in the flesh, maybe. And he had a scribe that was writing this letter for him. And it's right at the end of the letter, and it looks like he grabs the pen and paper. 
and he then in his own handwriting says, notice what large letters I use as I write these closing words in my own handwriting. Those who are trying to, to force you to be circumcised want to look good to others. They don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save. And even those who advocate circumcision don't keep the whole law themselves. They only want you to be circumcised so they can boast about it and claim you as their disciples. As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified and the world's interest in me has also died. It doesn't matter whether you have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether you have been transformed into a new creation. May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this, this principle. They are the new people of God. From now on, don't let anyone trouble me with these things, for I bear on my body the scars that show I belong to Jesus. Dear brothers and sisters, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. So what he does is he is busy talking to these male Gentile Jesus believers as Wes said a few weeks ago, who were under pressure to be circumcised. Now, in today's day, I don't know how many Gentile men are, one, boasting about being circumcised, and two, feeling pressured to be circumcised. This was a specific situation, and the Judaizers were trying to bring some of their legalism, some of their law to the Christians. A physical act, an external um, part of their body that needed to be snipped just so that they could be a part of the holy huddle. And he goes on to say, if I go back to verse 12, those who are trying to force you to be circumcised want to look good to others. Now in today's day, as I said, circumcision is not the thing that we're trying to boast about, but what are the things in today's church that we may take and be a little bit legalistic about and try and get others to do that thing, especially if you are following it? One of the things that I see has become quite popular today is actually taking the Sabbath, taking a day where you have a day of rest, and I think it is a good thing. I have no problems with Sabbath keeping, but the problem is there is an extreme where you may start saying, I am living the Sabbath on a Saturday or a Sunday, I'm not doing any work and we're not cooking any meals, and you then start becoming quite proud and arrogant of this, and then you start trying to force others to do the same thing. Something that makes you look good as a Christian or in church culture. And if we had more time, it would be good to talk about some of those other things that today would be described as legalism in the church. But he goes on in verse 13 to say, and even those who advocate circumcision don't keep the whole law themselves. 613 laws, but they start cherry-picking certain laws that they want to then impose on these Gentile Christian believers. We had a young man in our church that was influenced by a work colleague who was bringing in some of the legalistic laws into Christianity. And this young man that was on fire for the Lord and passionate, I would see him on Sunday, he would start coming in with these prayer, what were they called again? Those things, these, these, these um, prayer tassels. And he started saying, no, we must eat what Jesus ate. And he started bringing in some of these legalistic things. And my question to him was, 
But what about the rest of the laws? All other 613 laws. But he was influenced by someone that was trying to impose some legalism on the freedom that Jesus had won for him. At its heart, legalism is a desire to appear holy. It is trying to be justified before men and not God. And there is something that, that these um, early believers were, were faced with. And that was, they, they were trying to boast, these Judaizers were trying to boast in the fact that they are still following some of the Jewish practices of the day. Now when we talk about boasting, I know boasting is not a practice that we necessarily enjoy listening to. It is maybe a thing that we don't necessarily enjoy, maybe we do enjoy doing it, but it's a cultural norm where we just don't boast a lot because we know how it makes people feel, Right? We could all take a moment and stand up here and boast about something. I know that there are some doctors in this room and I know there are some engineers in this room. I don't think we have any um, politicians in this room. Maybe there are. But there was a debate where an engineer, a politician and a doctor got into a debate about which profession was the oldest. And they started boasting about which profession was the oldest. And well argued, the doctor, the doctor said, without a physician, mankind would not have survived. So I'm sure that mine is the oldest profession. No, said the engineer. Before life began, there was complete chaos, and it took an engineer to create some resemblance of order in this chaos. So the engineer is older. But, chirped the triumphant politician, who created the chaos? <laughs> See, I can boast about my children, I could boast about my wife, I could boast about beating my friend at the workout of the day. We all have things we could boast about. I could boast about how long I've been a Christian and the good things that I've done in my life and the bad things I haven't done. And we can slowly start bringing this arrogance into our Christianity. Some things that we could maybe boast about that we um, would make ourselves look good. Jeremiah 9 verse 23 to 24 says this. This is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth, that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. And I went to some of the commentaries and looked up this word boasting, this biblical word boasting. And it says the essence of boasting is what we place our confidence in. It is what we glorify. It is where our affections are directed and what we are satisfied in. It's the things that we value and admire. It's the thing we proclaim and speak about. So what are those things you boast about? If I gave you an opportunity to boast, what are those things you admire? What are those things you glorify in? What are those things where your heart, your affections, and your desires are for? Those things that you proclaim and speak about. So this is what the Apostle Paul says he boasts in. He says, as for me... May I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. When he talks about the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, he's not just talking about the physical structure of wood. 
He means the entire work of Christ in securing our redemption. See, before God, I have no religious merit. See, before God, I have no, none of my good works, none of the good things I have done, none of the effort that I've put in to try and be good is going to be good enough. And Paul had this revelation, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, and he, he's the person that says, I count all these things as worthless, as garbage, as rubbish, compared to this, this thing of knowing Jesus and the work that he has done for me on the cross. I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you know the Christianity of Christ or do you know the Christ of the Christianity? And why I say this is that so often we can get so caught up in church culture and doing good works and coming and attending and going to prayer meetings and doing Christianity. And Paul says, I've done that. I followed the law to the T. And he says, I count that as rubbish now compared to this thing of knowing Jesus. I want to ask you this morning, do you know the Christ of the Christianity that you follow? Do you know him personally? Or do you just know church? And when to stand up and when to sit down and when to say amen and when to do those sort of things? What is it that comes out of your mouth that you boast about? I want to honor my parents in this moment. When I spend time with my parents, all they want to do is talk about Jesus. Sometimes I get a little bit like, let's talk about other stuff. Let's talk about me. Let's talk about... But it's an overflow of their love for Jesus. What are you boasting about? What is the thing that you get excited about? What is the thing that you love? What do you love talking about? Paul says, as for me... May I never boast in anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified. And the world's interest in me has also died. This is a hard saying. And I'll tell you now that I, I probably couldn't say this word the way Paul could say it. See, 1 John says, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, it is from this world. I don't know if I can today say that my interest in this world has died, has been crucified, is dead. The lust of the eyes, the love for money, materialism, comfort, all that this world offers me, Is not dead in me yet. Jesus, help me. Help me to be able to say my interest in the things of this world have died. It is you that I long for. He even goes on to say the world has even given up on me. Because my interest in this world is dead, the world recognizes it, recognizes it and is like... He's a lost cause. 
What a place for Paul to come to, because later on at the end of this passage, he says, look at the scars on my body that prove my allegiance to Jesus. The things that Paul experienced that I may never go through. See, what Paul is saying is the, world, the worldly system is dead to me. doesn't mean it's no longer, doesn't, no longer has influence over me, but it does mean that its dominion, its power has been broken. We are no longer in bondage to it because it has been rendered, it has had the fatal blow of the death of Jesus on the cross. My old self. Can you say this morning that your interest in this world has been crucified? Because it's the things of this world that we look to boast about and talk about. So here's a little test. What we boast in is the litmus test of who we are and what we love and where our hearts are actually at. And I would love for us to all be in that place where we say, I will boast about nothing but what Jesus has done. I will only boast and talk about who this Jesus is and what he means to me and what he's done for me. That this world that I live in and the desires of it, the desires of the flesh have been crucified. Its power over me has been killed. On Good Friday, we looked at this verse, Galatians 2 verse 20. And Paul says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. I want to be able to say this, church, that Paul Dennison has died, been crucified with Christ, and it is Christ who now lives in me. In this life, I now live by faith. So it doesn't matter whether you've been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. Paul says it again in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. What counts is whether, you know when we say what counts, what matters, what's important? I don't know if any of you have been in a car accident and someone says to you, what counts is that you're still alive? Or maybe you've experienced someone robbing, and robbing your house and you've lost things and they come and say, but what counts? The important thing is that you've got insurance. So church, what is that important thing today that I want to leave with you this morning on Resurrection Sunday? If you've been sleeping the whole time, listen to this. Ticket all the heads lift up all of a sudden. <laughs> I won't be offended by that because myself, my fleshly self has died with Jesus. <laughs> what counts is whether you have been transformed into a new creation. The new creation life has started within you. This is what's important. This is the important thing that this new creation life is in you. If you have followed the religion of Christianity but do not know the Christ of the Christianity, there is an invitation for you to get to know him. 
There is an invitation for you to invite this Holy Spirit to live inside of you, this new creation life to start changing you from the inside out, where you start saying, Paul and his ways are no longer, but Christ in me is my life. I don't live anymore, but Christ lives in me, and I boast about the cross and all that Jesus has done for me. He starts changing the way you think. It starts changing your worldview. He starts changing the decisions that you make. Through his death, burial, and resurrection today, I want to tell you that you have an opportunity to experience life and life abundantly. And for those that doubt, the doubting Thomases that question whether Jesus really rose from the dead, maybe today is the day that you will taste and see that he is real and alive. Maybe through his spirit here and his presence, you will experience the living God, that he is alive. This is what we celebrate today, the empty tomb, because many people died. William Wallace died along with their hopes of liberating Scotland. Many other people that claimed to be the Messiah died, but only one rose again, and only one is worthy of our praise and honor. And this morning there is an opportunity for you to get your life right with God. Ephesians 2 verse 8 to 9 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And maybe you've come from a very religious background, all about legalistic things you do to be saved, your good works. I want to say your good works will never be good enough. You know when, when someone tells you about your, the, your friend that isn't a Christian but he's a good person, I want to say their goodness is not going to be good enough when they stand before God. When you stand before God, he's going to say your righteousness is like rags of filth. It will never be good enough. So Paul says in Ephesians 2, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And maybe today there is an opportunity for someone to believe in Jesus and that he rose, that he died and, and uh, he was buried and he rose again. And here's the nice part. You can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Stop taking credit for your good works. Stop thinking your Religion or your good works is good enough. It's not good enough. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. This morning we're going to again partake of the communion elements. And I want to go back to this definition of boasting. The essence of boasting is what we place our confidence in. What do you place your confidence in? It's what we glorify. It's where our affections are directed and what we are satisfied in. Man, I'm not satisfied in religion. I'm not satisfied in good works. I'm only satisfied in Jesus. Only He can truly satisfy. No riches of this world, no power, no fame. Nothing that this world offers will ever truly satisfy the way Jesus can satisfy. It's the thing we value and admire. It's the thing we proclaim. And it's the thing we speak about. So what are we going to do today as we close off? We're going to take the bread and we're going to take the wine. And we're going to boast in what Jesus has done. We're going to celebrate what Jesus has done, not, in, not what we have done, 
not our external works. Man, I was basically born a Christian in my Christian family, in my Christian school. You think that's good enough to get me to heaven? I didn't do drugs. I didn't do... I don't have some of the hectic testimonies. Sorry, Fred, I'm looking at you because Fred's got an amazing testimony. You think that's good enough? You think your goodness is good enough? It's only by what Jesus has done on the cross. And not just what he's done on the cross, but it's him being raised to life again that brings that victory. And in the wise and amazing words of William Wallace, freedom! I speak freedom over you today. May you live and experience the victory that Jesus has won for you in every area of your life. Sin is no longer your master. Addiction is no longer your master. Death, the last enemy, has been defeated. And when I do funerals, this is the hope we bring when we do a funeral of a believer. Jesus died. He was buried and he rose again. And you will be resurrected with him one day. Death has lost its sting. So we get excited in those moments when you have revelation of that. Maybe today we're going to get excited about it and boast about it. So I would like you to get out of your chairs very quickly and go. And there are about eight tables around this auditorium. I'd like you to take the communion elements and come back to your seat. And if you can be gracious with us, we want to bring our children in for this part. Because we want to have a little bit of a party this morning. Some of us blew some balloons just for some extra decor. And in a moment, we want to get them off the stage. And we've even got some streamers that we would like to hand out. And I want the streamers to go far and wide around this auditorium. Because I'd like you to throw some streamers. We're going to end a little bit later in a song. See, I don't need to preach long today because the, the message is simple. Christ is risen and he has risen indeed. And there is new creation life available for all those who choose and who want to experience life and life abundantly. Come and try to find your parents. If you can't find them, just come and sit in the front chair because we want to give you guys a balloon.
Hello, children. This is also for you, not just for the big people. God saved you not by your good works. He saved you by His grace, through faith. Maybe there's someone here today that's never made Jesus their Lord. And there's always a simple prayer that you pray. It's just, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I've missed the mark. I've fallen short. Would you come and take residence? Would you come and make your home in me? Come, Holy Spirit, and live in me. Maybe there's someone today who has drifted from God and your, your boasting is in the things of this world and not in the Jesus of Christianity. Maybe today you want to recommit and say, today I choose to follow Jesus, to be his disciple. So I want you to take the bread. I want you to break it. Jesus, we boast in your body that was broken for me. We boast in your body the sacrifice that you made for me. It should have been me. It should have been me paying the consequences for my sin. It should have been me the price for my guilt and my shame but today I boast because of what you have done Jesus thank you for your body that was broken for me and to receive the body And let's do it a bit differently because we did communion on Friday. Why don't you pick up the juice and we're going to say it together to the King. Now we're going to do that again. Because the blood signifies the sin. Blood had to be shed for forgiveness of sin. Today we boast in the blood that was shed See, he bled with the crown of thorns. He, he bled when he was whipped. He bled on the cross. So let's do it all together. To the King.